Hello, fellow movie lovers, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we re-examine Hollywood's redheaded stepchildren. As a redheaded stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie Johnson. And I'm Andy Bowell. And today we are peeling back Hollywood's crypt to review 1968's Yellow Submarine. And this is a perfect, uh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This is a perfect time, 16 episodes in, to remind our listeners, especially any from a, a, a governing agency such as the FCC, that the show is for the purposes of criticism and entertainment and therefore all of the Beatles drops I'm going to be playing this episode (laughs) I wondered where you were going with this under copyright law allowed to be there (laughs) thank you for covering our legal butts yes so Andy what is the plot of this movie because there's not a whole lot plot wise yeah I mean like you know, we try to make this as simple as possible for people who skip the movie, and that's really easy for Yellow Submarine, because if you skipped the movie, Yellow Submarine is about the Beatles, George, Paul, John, and Ringo, as they are recruited by a sea captain to travel to the mystical Pepperland, 50,000 leagues under the sea, and defeat the big blue meanies that have taken over the peaceful musical land. And, you know, it's it, it's a winding adventure, but that's what happens. And that's like, like normally we go, that's what happens, and yet, but this time it's like, that's that's what happens. That's what happens. That's it. That's all. I even tried to kind of apply Joseph Campbell's um, hero's journey to it, which is what I do whenever a movie bores me. (laughs) And I I couldn't. (laughs) I did it with, I'm going to get so much hate from our fans on this, but I did it with Star Wars. (laughs) I do it with Lord of the Rings. And I tried it with this movie and it follows no predictable journey whatsoever. I'm trying to think now if Ringo denies... The th- I don't think he does because you know that's like a, a core component uh, core component of the hero's journey is the first refusal and I'm pretty sure Ringo is just like there's a yellow submarine following me oh it wants me to do this oh okay let me gather up the boys you just made me so happy that one you knew what I was talking about two you were like yes let me accept this and I'm going to meet you and I'm going to name one of the steps I love you Andy <laughs> <laughs> All the uh, all the college improv is is taking effect. I can yes and yes. Well, and I I tried like there was one moment where one of the characters kind of comes along as a guide, but then he didn't follow any of the rules for a guide, and uh, it was just a mess. Right. I mean, so this one. I mean, we're we're kind of going out of order in a lot of ways. I think you just answered whether or not you liked the film, and. Like, we can't talk about Yellow Submarine in the confines of cult cinema, which we so want to do, without, like, just getting it out of the way. This is cult because of the Beatles. Because of the fame they bring to it, you think? Exactly. Like, I think if Mm -hmm. Yellow Submarine had been 
a non-musical about four brothers who do the exact same thing. Like, I don't know if anyone outside of England in the late 60s would have seen it. It would have been regarded mm-hmm. as like a pretty art piece, uh, uh, an interesting attempt to make an animated movie that wasn't just for children. But like the the reason this movie is so readily accessible to people's minds is because like you know the beatles for a good time were the biggest band on earth and i was trying to it struck me after i watched the movie like they had next to nothing to do with yellow submarine (laughs) they don't voice themselves exactly they don't voice themselves they didn't write any of the dialogue i mean yeah sure they did the music obviously but like aside from that, their only actual contribution was they realized if we sign off on this movie, it'll get us out of our third like contractually obligated film appearance, which they had already done help and a hard day's night. And they really didn't want to do any more movies. So they said, yeah, sure. Make a cartoon about us. Then they watched it. They liked it and went, okay, yeah, let's, let's step in the sound booth and, and record something real quick. And that's why they're in the five minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. Which feels very much like an add-on slapdash. The script is nonsensical and very like, okay, kids, what did we learn today? Right, exactly. It's just, it's a little, it's it's a little, oh my God, the Beatles kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, take away take away the fact that they don't voice themselves like, the most interesting thing the Beatles do in the movie is when J- the way John Lennon says, we got to go out singing. <laughs> and I liked Which it. Was... I got like, I'll get that out of the way. Did I you? liked it. Really? I really did. And maybe that's because I'd never actually seen it. Maybe it's okay. because I'm like, I'm, I'm compared to the regular person, pretty unfamiliar with the Beatles. And I am comfortable with that. I'm not like ashamed of it or anything. I was too busy listening to David Bowie. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, right. (laughs) But like... (laughs) Although Bowie was a huge Beatles fan. This is true. So it surprises me that you weren't like, oh, let me listen to his influences. Ah, I was too busy listening to him and going, gosh, he's pretty. (laughs) I mean, he's no... Mm, help me the blonde guy you're obsessed with (laughs) are you trying to say David Bowie is no James Spader (laughs) (laughs) oh it hurts oh oh my god Pretty blonde man, pretty blonde man, pretty blonde man. I didn't think this would be the episode I laughed the hardest I've ever laughed on. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, true. <laughs> I I don't want David Bowie to tie me up and whip me. Um. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting taste, Andy. <laughs> I know. I don't. I know it. <sighs> Okay, okay, wrapping, getting it together. I'm sorry. So you were too busy listening to David Bowie to listen to the Beatles, so you didn't listen to the Beatles. Well, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It the, the, the thing I kept thinking about was like, 
this was hand drawn in the 60s. This was it's not yeah. a beautiful movie, I wouldn't say, but there are beautiful parts of it and it's just like from an animated standpoint, very impressive, especially when you remember, oh yeah, computer computer animation wasn't a thing yet and then you tack on, oh, they made this movie in under a year. And that was what was getting me through a lot of it was like the animation was really stunning, put into proper context. I thought that the guys who did voice the Beatles were really funny. And I mean, it's the Beatles, you know? No, I didn't listen to them as much as most people, but I still hear the music and go, yes, awesome, amazing. Yeah. I think after some time and distance, I didn't hate it, but I was really bored by the plot. There were parts of it that I loved. Like, I loved the art. Um, I did think it was beautiful, especially in certain scenes. Like, Lucy and this guy with diamonds was a gorgeous scene. Um, And you said that the artist painted on glass instead of paper, which is just fantastic and difficult and amazing. And then I also loved the Eleanor Rigby scene. I thought the art in that was stunning. There were parts of it I really liked, but overall I was just like, this feels very meandering to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And like this one, so to, to to tie this all back into the Beatles or cult, like, like this movie doesn't get made without the Beatles being cult. I don't think. And like oh, the, the director, um, George Dunning, like the thing he had done for a career before this was he produced the Beatles cartoon, which I didn't know existed, but it was like this very, <laughs> I didn't either. yeah. Right. Uh, from from what I gather, it was this very Hanna Barbera like, like early Beatles styled, just little you know kid adventure. So this guy's mm-hmm. bread and butter was pretty much just animating these musical icons and running away with that. But he was a talented artist. He did try something that hadn't been done before. And I think that's really commendable. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the other thing like I kept thinking about was like, I think this was the first animated movie that wasn't just for kids. And that's important. And that's foundational. Like, like up until then, you know, you had Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse playing in theaters and maybe adults would watch that in between news. But like, you know, think to modern day, we don't get, we don't get Studio Ghibli. We don't get, or, yeah. or at least not, studio ghibli in as a complete wholesome family entire way or you know heavy metal or like monty python in the same way this set up so many different dominoes and i think this is like the first movie or at least one of the first movies we've come across where it's not niche cult it's like bedrock cult it is foundational. I think that is the best word for it. New and blue amenities have been sighted within the vicinity of this theater. Oh, there's only one way to go out. How's that? Singing! One, two, three, ah! Mm, that's a really good point. And I think it led to so many other... Like you're saying, it led to so many other things. Because I'm thinking about all the cartoons we have now that are meant for adults. And so if you didn't have this... As a cartoon for adults, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have BoJack Horseman. Yeah. You wouldn't have Tuca and Birdie, which Alex and I are watching now, and I'm obsessed with. You wouldn't have all of these kind of dark comedies that 
deal with very, very adult themes. And I think there are some adult themes in Yellow Submarine because you're ultimately dealing with why we as humans make art and music and oppression within that attempt, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, you could like, you can make the argument, oh, something would have come along, but you know, this isn't, this isn't a place to speak about hypotheticals. This was right. pretty much the first animated movie that was for adults as much as it was for kids. And maybe the adults yeah. were getting super stoned because it was 68, but hey, party. <laughs> so I was not high watching this. I'm wondering if it would have been better had, were I so inclined. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I, I got to think probably. Uh, I have to think probably, but you know. Maybe it also would, you know, cause some some of the scarier moments to really land the wrong way and cause a bad trip man because <laughs> like they're oh man there managed to be some scary moments the blue meanie with the teeth in its belly i was like nope i am mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope. So, so interestingly i think that's the one way i can use the uh social justice drop and talk about why this movie didn't age well social justice one two three i wanna be pc it's just the way to be for me and you because social justice (laughs) that's mariah's favorite part of the show (laughs) oh i love that yeah that specific blue meanie was the big blue Turk or the, the tooth fanged Turk or something like that. The point is it was supposed <gasps> no. to be a Turkish citizen. And while the Turkish government has done uh, more than a couple things that I take great grievance with, I wouldn't say it's okay to develop a monster out of them. Woof. <laughs> yeah. The blue meanies had a couple of pointed things about them. The blue meanies also were specifically wearing mouseketeer ears. Um, because the director was not a fan of Disney. Right. And did you catch they were wearing like little like weird shoes? Like they all yeah, had Yeah, opened like... up and guns came out of them at one point. Yeah, right. They all had like little like like schoolgirls dance shoes is what I kept thinking of. And it was just uh, like I kept staring yeah. at their feet and it was weird. But I absolutely like, agree. There's something weird about them. There's something weird about them. There's something more than just weird about the chief big blue meanie. Like the big, the, the main one is like, I can absolutely see how that would terrify a child. Just so uh, uh-uh. bipolar and, and like the, the constant changing of pitch in the voice. Stephanie, did you mm-hmm. watch a lot of Powerpuff Girls? Yes. So after watching, I really identified with the redheaded power Powerpuff Girl because of course, of course you I did. did. Bubbles, <laughs> uh, Blossom. Yes, Blossom. Thank you. Yeah. After seeing Yellow Submarine, I have to think that the Powerpuff Girls character him was at least partially based <laughs> off the Big Blue Meanie. And oh yeah, how could he not be? You know, and the devil. <laughs> oh well. You know, that too. But I mean, yeah, so, they're just they're they're freaky little monsters and you know, the the Beatles go on a journey. We kinda skip over it in the plot synopsis, but it takes them a while to get to Pepperland and they're just traveling through uh, d- uh, the I, like, sea. The sea, right, but 
holy crap, there's like, I can see why like 20% of the, or 80% of the ocean hasn't been explored. If that's the stuff that's down there, these, <laughs> these weird nightmare monsters. Uh, like the one monster who sucks up literally the entire screen. Or my least favorite, I I don't have trypophobia or trypophobia, but major trigger warning for anyone who has trypophobia, there is a scene where they go, the beetles and the sea captain go in the sea of holes. Right. And it's literally a sea of holes, and it is awful. <laughs> yeah, drugs, kids. Yeah, except the main artist was not on drugs. Right, so I think that's like hilariously fascinating. The guy, the character designer who created all these monsters, he basically was this super conservative British dude who said, I imagined what I would see on a trip and I drew that, mm-hmm. which hits the nail on the head, I think. Yeah, and that segues wonderfully into my reading recommendation for this episode, which is uh, Tao Lin's. Trip, Psychedelics, Alienation, and Change, which is a nonfiction novel that's all about, like, why do we make art? What is art? Is the world made of language? Is your imagination more real than the universe? And just all the questions that this movie asks are all toyed with in that book. And so the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh, I have the perfect reading recommendation for this movie. (laughs) Delightful and terrifying. Yeah. And... (laughs) And terrifying because part of me, I I think you hit the nail on the head earlier, Andy, when you're talking about it is you could get high to this movie, but there's a lot that could make this a really bad experience to watch while high. I think so. I really do. And some of it that isn't even like intentionally scary. When we first find the Beatles house, their their little flat on the bay or whatever, you know, it... They, they go in and start doing all these Scooby-Doo, you know, door gags. And I'm just sitting here being like, oh, oh, the Beatles live in this nightmare hell dimension where like space <laughs> doesn't work the way it should. And it's a tesseract and and George Harrison's <laughs> like he's got a cliff in his room. And, and what, uh, what's happening? And what you can somehow drive on? a car in their house and it's, yeah. yeah and it's, it's fun it's, and it's funny and oh, hey, there's the whole gang's here, but I'm sitting here being like, oh my God, I would lose my mind in this place. What is happening? <sighs> oh man. And yet her majesty, the queen of England has said, this is one of her favorite movies. I mean, good old, good old Lizzie. Like I, what is Lizzie doing in her spare time? You know, they they took a lot of the government power away from the queen, and there's only so much like being a, a symbol you can do before you get really bored. I imagine <laughs> Lizzie's lighting up and Buckingham just like yes, I love it. <laughs> yes. Let's watch Yellow Submarine again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get that part of the crown. Oh my god. We mean is only take no for an answer. Is that understood, Max? No, your blueness. I liked this movie. I did. But I think you bring up a really good point where, like, this 
someone can make the argument and people have made the argument that this is nothing more than an extended sequence of music videos and they wouldn't be wrong. Right. It reminded me very much of actually the wall is what I wrote. It reminds me a lot of that. The only difference is that the wall is kind of has this unifying plot around it's the destruction of this person. And I feel like yellow submarine is kind of a looser and less uh, building plot. It doesn't build up to anything. No. Or it, it does build up to anything, but it kind of meanders on its way. Is that yeah. fair? That, that, no, it's incredibly fair. And I think the, the core difference is, you know, The Wall is a concept album. The Wall, when they when Pink mm-hmm. Floyd was writing it, they had a story in mind. And Yellow Submarine, mm-hmm. it was... You know, it was, um, we're making a Beatles movie, guys. Pick pick your favorite songs, but focus on the Sgt. Pepper stuff. And we'll see if we can get the boys in to record a few new ones. So, like, I, I think that works to its discredit as a movie where it is very much like huh. we're taking these bits of music from different albums and off different time periods and we're just gonna go from one to the next to the next and, and hey, movie. That's fair. That's fair. When you said concept album, I said, oh, of course, because my other two examples that I like more than Yellow Submarine, I'm like, oh, like Lemonade and Dirty Computer by Janelle Monae. And then I was like, oh, yeah, those are both concept albums. So I think making a movie or an extended series of music videos around a non-concept album isn't going to work for you. No, at least not well. I mean, the only example I can think that does that to any, like, any positive is Moulin Rouge, which they have the benefit of oh. taking different artists and, and changing up the songs. I love Moulin Rouge so much. Right. It's so pure. So good. On Broadway. Check it out. My heart. Because, ah. yeah, because I had examples, too. And, and you know, again, foundational I don't know if we get any of these. I don't know if we get lemonade as a mm-hmm. visual thing. Right. Without something like Yellow Submarine laying the groundwork. I don't know if sure. Fallout Boy films a series of music videos for Save Rock and Roll that, when viewed in sequence, kind of make a movie. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, again, you just you got to give it credit there. But, like,. Well, I, I'm I'm trying to think, okay, so someone who, like, I'm not a Beatles fan per se, but I like them. I wonder if this movie just completely falls flat to someone who is like, yes, I know the Beatles and I don't enjoy them. <laughs> I figure it would have to. Oh, no. Oh, no. Also, that's a very sad person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I want that person listening to our podcast, Andy. <laughs> I'm reminded. I, I I'm reminded of in high school. I had just gotten into All Shook Up, which was the Elvis Presley music video, a uh, music video mm-hmm. musical. And I jumped into a friend's car who his parents were taking us somewhere and was saying, "Oh yeah, I'm listening to All Shook Up. It's the Elvis musical." And I swear the parents both turned around and went, "You better be talking about Elvis Costello because we hate Presley." <laughs> what? <gasps> who hates Elvis Presley? Uh, the Bodkins of of Orlando in 2010. <laughs> well, their last name sounds silly. Indeed. Mer- 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 mer. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, I think by not being a Beatles fan, the only thing that you missed, because you had said, because I'm not a Beatles fan, I'm wondering if I'm missing any significance of the art. The only thing I can think of that you're really missing out on is the significance of apples. There are a couple of blue meanies who are carrying apples around, and then when they drop them, Mm. they turn people into stone. And Apple Studios is the name of um, Beatles Studio. Sure, 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 sure. So that's the only thing I can think of. And and that completely uh, went over my head. You know, what I did think during that sequence was this is the second movie we've watched intended for children where a peaceful (laughs) fantasy race is turned to stone by a a wicked invader. I thought that was interesting. The other one being returned to us. Exactly. Wow. A movie I like. Well, this better is another this. one. <laughs> yes, same. But that's another one where the audience is kind of yanked through this imaginary world that's perhaps a little visually overstimulating. So there's a lot in common with Return to Oz, too. That's a good point, yeah. Because one of the visual directors actually went on record saying that they wanted to visually overstimulate the audience to make up for the gaping plot holes. (laughs) And I'm like, well, sure, you did. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) at least they're self-aware. At least they're aware that the, the plot is shit <laughs> i mean yeah because i mean like like yes yes the beatles are charming all in their own right but like <laughs> we we've bumped a cup we've bumped up against a couple even just talking about it like like so okay so so you're going under the sea but like there's no water and <laughs> And right. how does physics work in Pepperland? There's time because travel. Because you're under... It's very confusing. There's holes that you can pop in and out of. Yeah. There's creatures that swallow you. What's happening? Oh, that's a good point. They all get swallowed into nothingness and then continue on. Like, yep. like they don't get to the sea of holes until they've been eaten by the sucker-upper monster. <laughs> Uh-huh. Huh. <laughs> so the sea of holes is maybe them inside the sucker upper monster. So is Pepperland inside, or is it <gasps> is it just teleportation? Oh. Or, oh, my head hurts. I need to I need to get high and watch this again. Yeah, and okay. that is that before or after Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? Um, that is after. Lucy in the Sky Dies is after? No, the they get sucked up after. I think. Okay. Now I don't remember. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listeners, clearly, it's a hell of a movie. There's a lot that happens, and there's nothing that happens at the same time. Forgive yeah. us. <laughs> well, it's just... It, it's, it's, it's a bunch of music videos, and like, you, there's no... There's no reason altogether now needs to come before Lucy in the sky and like there's there's no there's no motivation in the plot for 
almost any song to happen when it does. Like the only exceptions I can think is like Sgt. Pepper needs to happen when it does because they're impersonating Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and they can't sing Nowhere Man until they meet Jeremy Hillary Boob. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> it's... Yeah. And and I'm sitting, like... <laughs> I'm sitting here. We're we're almost out of runway of stuff to talk about in the movie, and it's only been a half hour. We gotta keep we we gotta keep digging here. This one... I have an idea. Okay. <laughs> um, what was your favorite Beatles song in this movie? Because I discovered that Altogether Now totally slaps, and I had forgotten that it slaps. I like that you discovered that. I. Uh... I I could picture them all just bouncing around the studio like during the chorus <laughs> and and screaming and freaking out. I enjoyed that. Um, I think my my favorite Beatles song in the movie is probably Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, but I I don't know if this is going to tick off you or your husband or my wife or our listener base. I'm almost positive this was the first time I heard Eleanor Rigby. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, uh, what? Well, what? see, see, Eleanor Rigby, like, it's not an across the universe. <laughs> so <laughs> I had no reason to have ever heard it before. <laughs> Listeners. This is a podcast, which is not a visual medium, so you can't see me thrusting my entire forehead into my hands with just a look of sadness and despair. Oh, to be fair, neither can I. <laughs> oh, oh, how? How have you gone? 28, 28, 29? How old are you, Andrew? Uh, that would be 27, though it might be 28 uh, by the time this, this podcast comes out. How have you gone 28 years of your life without hearing the song Eleanor Rigby? And, and maybe I have and I just didn't know it, but like, I, like I, I, I get it. I get why that song's awesome. That was like, like that and the scene was probably my favorite part of the movie as a whole because it's so like, that's a great music video on its own right there. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, a a lot of kiss, a lot of Queensryche, a lot of queen, a lot of Bowie, uh, very little Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) And what, honestly, what little Beatles there is, is thanks to across the universe. Fair enough. That's so funny to me. I thought, All yeah, right, I, well, I now thought you I would know. get a kick of that, and I, I hope I didn't alienate oh our, our viewer base. <laughs> no one will listen to our podcast anymore, Andy. Which is such a shame, because like now I've heard it. I know, I know. <laughs> and you've ruined, you've ruined it forever. I will bring our listener base back by saying my favorite Beatles song is um, When I'm 64. Such a good song. I mean, I can't, I can't argue. Like, it's great. It's, um, it's so cute. Very cute. Very adorable. Like, like, like that's another one where like, okay, I, I get it. Obviously we're going to, 
we're going to do time travel age stuff and you know all, all the Beatles did look quite adorable with their super old man beards <laughs> and then they turn they also turned into baby children and that was also very cute will you still need me will you still feed me when i'm 64 man there's so much that happens in this movie that you're just like sure that might as well happen because like seven other weirder things have happened before it. right like like let this be remembered viewers as the movie where the beatles get machine guns fired at them and sure. it's just okay cool yeah I, I, I buy it there's a nazi joke that the blue meanies make afterwards yeah like can, <laughs> you caught that what? right i i caught that immediately it was like it, 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 did, did, did they just reference that argentina is filled with nazis <laughs> <laughs> did, did did the big blue meanie infer that he caused pompeii Right? I was like, what else does this mean about the Big Blue Meanies then? Are they, like, do they just go throughout history and cause all the bad crap? Yeah, like, give me some mythology. Give me give me something to, give me some lore. Give me something to really buy into. Because that's how you win me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, and it made me think of the Pompeii episode of Doctor Who, and I'm like, I don't remember any Blue Meanies in that episode, but I might have missed them. Yeah, they could have been in the background. We don't know. <laughs> sure, why not? Oh, speaking of things that were kind of in the background, for a movie that's blatantly British, there is a lot of America in this movie. There really is, yeah. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe is in one shot in the background, as is like Elvis and Buffalo Bill. And then Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, one of the weird head things, has an American flag on it. Then um, we have the force four score and two seconds ago is one of the lines. And then when the meanies are preparing to like come invade Pepperland, one of the Pepperland residents says the meanies are coming. The meanies are coming, which is highly reminiscent of the redcoats are coming. The redcoats are coming. So what the hell? Well, and, and you were the one who, who figured this out. So I don't want to totally steal your your little note point but no, like, no no please this this was made like this was a british director with a team of american and canadian artists who you oh, know, obviously yeah. knew the beatles but i guess were just given free reign to kind of do their own thing and and yeah the end result is very non-british so much so that they had to have a script doctor come and make it more Liverpudian. <laughs> Which, I want that to be my job. I want to come in and be like, oh, here, let me make it more Liverpudlian for you. I will fix this, 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 and this. Right, get very sarcastic <laughs> and, and, and elongate your speech. And be really silly about silly things. Well, it's good to be silly about very silly drunk. things. That felt like it could have been a line from the movie, truly. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yay, charming. I mean, that's that's the humor. Yay. And and yeah. maybe I don't know, like we're kind of I'm kind of realizing as we go on this journey that like I'm much more in tune with my inner child than I thought I would. You know, I I loved Return to Aww. Oz so much and like it's very it, it's 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 very childlike humor, but also if you're quick like like there's an extra bit of joke in there for you if if you really get it and 
Like, this was a funny movie through and through. Ringo was funny. The Blue Meanies, when he wasn't scaring me, was funny. I wish I had watched this with subtitles. Because there were a lot of jokes that I just didn't catch. Like, I was researching quotes for this movie and I was like, oh, someone said that? Who said that? And I totally missed a lot of it. I'm trying to remember. I, I did not... I did not have subtitles either, but yeah, it's it's You're the, just our American better ears. Hearing than I. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I listened to too much rock and roll. I was I was spending you too have... much time just staring at the movie, going pretty. But I mean, I don't know. Pretty. Like, I managed to catch more in a few jokes. We we both managed to come away with a favorite quote, so we we got something. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go into our favorite quotes, I have one or two more points that I want to cover. Oh, same. I'll let you Indeed. go first if you have anything else. Well, I mean, I I think, you know, I touched on the fact that this was made in 11 months. And what yeah. we didn't dive into as much was how completely unheard of that was at the time. Like... To compare right. this to what was happening with Disney at the same time, the last animated they the last animated movie they had made was the original Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. and Disney spent four years making Winnie the Pooh. What? So, for comparison's sake, for you know the team that made Yellow Submarine to crank this thing out in eleven months. That's entirely impressive. And actually, it, it winds up being kind of tragic, in fact, because George Dunning, the guy who directed this, you know, he he took like a flat salary just to direct the whole thing. He didn't take a percentage. He didn't take anything like that. And he wound up reinvesting his entire like paycheck in this movie back into the art team so it could get done in time. And it wound up bankrupting him. And he never made another oh, movie. Wow. So. Wow. Well, his poor artists were so stressed that they were boning for stress relief. (laughs) Yeah, they were. (laughs) Because listeners, 13 babies? 13, Andy? 13 babies and five marriages. (laughs) Wow. Came out of this movie because the poor illustrators were like, man, I'm so stressed. Man, I'm so stressed. Ooh, he's cute. Hold on. What's he doing? (laughs) You know, you know the movie has gone off the rails when your your team is you know shacking up because like they need to like like they need this <laughs> in order to stay sane and happy and finish the work. Yeah, I wonder if those kids from that you know came out of that like watch this movie and they're like, oh god, oh man, mom and dad, too much, man. What scene was it, Dad? Was it the part where Ringo gets lost on this horse and goes galloping through a nightmare hellscape, or, 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 or was it the part when the when the big blue meanies like fire cannonballs at people? What was the scene? Like, what scene were you drawing when I was conceived? <laughs> but I mean, these these are Brits. We're talking. Actually, no, they're not Brits. They're they're Americans and Canadians. They're Americans so. and Canadians. So you know what? So I, most they're like. Sorry, Dad. What scene was it, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am Canadian. I can say that. <laughs> and I'm a fan of Canadians, so I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> 
for the first several years, this is completely unrelated, but for the first several years, Alex and I were dating. I kept telling him, oh, I'm Swedish and French. And he was like, cool, 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 cool. And then my mom was like, yeah, you're French Canadian. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, oh, yeah, like, we're French through Canada. Like, we're French Canadian. And Alex was like, this whole time you say I'm French. I know this. I know that because I'm French. He's like, no, girl, you're just like poser pretender French. You're French Canadian. (laughs) For the second time in as many episodes. Hi, Matthew. (laughs) How's Gatineau? (laughs) Oh, I love it. I don't want to alienate our one listener who consistently texts and responds to everything we say. Well, if we didn't take his wife off last time, I think he'll be okay for for this. (laughs) But who could say? Because that won't be released for several more weeks. Whoa. Whoa, podcasting. My only other point was that this movie made me think I've recently seen Yesterday, the movie about the man who wakes up in a world where no one remembers the Beatles. Right. And uh, that movie made me cry buckets. That... And it's beautiful, and I highly recommend it. Well, good. Very good. Because I, I haven't seen it yet, but I very much wanted to. That was directed by the same man who made 28 Days Later. Oh my gosh, it really does all come together. Yeah. All together now. All together. All together now. (laughs) Please sound drop the actual song and not my terrible singing. Okay, fine. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Do you have anything else? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's like this, this was... You know, honestly, we we go back between whether we liked it or didn't or whether it was good or not. Yes, it was foundational. I think more than anything like this, this was a weird one. And not in not in the way that like Into the Void or Cecil B. Demented was a weird one. This was just like, like this movie is maybe the loosest use of the term movie of anything we've watched. And, And it made talking about that may be a little more challenging than other films have but you know overall still still enjoyable experience i think yeah yeah for the most part it was you know it's pretty it was just bizarre absolutely but you know it was it was pretty and cute and it, it well and well heart in the right place and and it was funny um, I think yeah. the the thing that made me laugh the hardest very early on, we see Ringo Starr for the very first time, and he's just standing on the corner and goes, Ugh, "Liverpool is a boring place on a Saturday night, and it's only Thursday morning." <laughs> like that is fu- that is funny. I don't care what you say. That is funny. My favorite was. Um, when they have the bubble at the end that they're trying to escape from. And John says, there's blue glass. And Ringo says, must be from Kentucky. Because <laughs> it's blue grass. It's blue glass. It's blue grass. Cute. Ringo It's is... a movie or a music pun. Yeah, it's great. I love it. 
Ringo got all the best lines, or at least the representation of Ringo that was put in front of us. Ringo that didn't voice Ringo. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of which, I know we normally do Oscars first, but can we do Six Degrees first? I would love to, because this is hard mode. But Ringo Starr is in it. He is. He, at the he very absolutely end. is at the very end. And Ringo Starr is in Candy with Walter Matthau, who is in JFK with Kevin Bacon. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Um, okay, so you did it in less movies than I did, but I'm going to dock you a point for using the Beatles. <laughs> and he, here's why. Here's, here's why. Um, one of the people who was in this movie for more than five minutes was Paul Angelus, and he was the voice actor for, um, I want to say, uh, Paul McCartney and uh, a couple of other characters. And this guy who I've never heard of and is so inconsequential that I don't even think he has a, um, a picture on IMDb was in For Her Majesty's Eyes Only, which is a James Bond movie with Roger Moore. Oh, hey! Roger Moore uh-huh. was in The Saint with Elizabeth Shue, and Elizabeth Shue was in Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon. Nice. So, good job. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. That's Thank a, you. That's a really good poll that you got a Roger Moore movie in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the pod, and that's a... Miriam Ruiz's favorite Bond. <laughs> AKA my mother-in-law who almost named my husband Roger after Roger Moore. <laughs> Can you imagine Alex's Roger? Roger Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> I've laughed so much this episode. It's good to laugh. Good, good. For our listeners, Andy's had a terrible head cold all week, so... I have, so putting this at the end, but if I sounded weird, that's why. (laughs) And if I sound great, it's because the wonderful Andy Bowell and his beautiful wife, Mariah Bowell, got for my husband a brand new microphone for his 30th birthday. So what we've learned from this is, one, Alex is an old person now, and two... I now sound velvety smooth. Heck yeah. And uh, all the all the people who have listened to the past 15 episodes and went, I mean, they're funny, but the audio, now they don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, exactly. Now we're just funny, so you better get in line. Uh, exactly. Speaking of funny, uh, my Oscar makes me laugh. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you if you checked it out or not, but I would like to give Yellow Submarine the Oscar for best decision for the wrong reasons. Oh no! And here's why. In 2013, Robert Zemeckis, director of Forrest Gump and so many other movies from our childhood. Uh, wanted to mm-hmm. remake Yellow Submarine as a CGI movie. 
Uh, nightmares. Yeah, right? Exactly. The only reason we did not get a Yellow Submarine remake was because the movie Mom uh, was because the movie Mars Needs Moms was such a flop that DreamWorks or or whatever company was producing it like backed out and said, "Okay, we need to put this on hold for a few years while we financially recoup." Um the the movie goes on hold for a few years. And when it finally like starts resurfacing, Robert Zemeckis decides, and this is a quote, that you really don't want to make a remake. You're, you're always behind the eight ball, and it's hard to make people happy with them. Which is the correct oh. take when it comes to remakes. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, it sounds like you've ranted this, about this before. Sounds... Where can I hear that rant? Oh, I'm sure there are several different versions of it available uh, on the internet on love-hate relationship where I regularly (laughs) rail about how remakes are uh, creatively bankrupt and shouldn't happen. And I'm glad this one didn't. Speaking of things that are simultaneously cute and a little bit annoying, much like Andy's other podcast, hey! Hey, good burn. Proud of you. Uh, my Oscar goes to simultaneously cutest and most annoying character for Jeremy Hillary Boob, PhD. My favorite thing about Jeremy Hillary Boob, PhD, is there's the moment where, like, he talks and rhymes the whole time, and, and it's complete gibberish nonsense, but creative. And I think it's John who's like, you shouldn't do that. That's dumb. And in a roundabout way, he says, but if I didn't talk in rhymes, everyone would realize I'm full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's my life as a poet. Oh, no. <laughs> Not the connection I was making. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. I actually, very few of my poems rhyme because I uh, am no good at rhyming. Oh, Mm. Sad day. It's okay by me. <laughs> Speaking of things I'm no good at, Andy, let's see what our next movie. That was a terrible segue. I'm, I'm trying gonna... to think. I'm trying to think how that works. I mean, I'm I'm keeping it, and and maybe no! that's maybe that's how you're no good <laughs> by having a nonsensical segue. Yep, that's how that's how I'm no good. But let's figure out what our next movie is. Let's. All right, so uh, every episode of Cold Fiction, we let the Hollywood crypt aside and, you know, draw so many weird connections in our lives. And the Hollywood crypt is chock full of 316 movies. And Lordy. we are going to give it a spin. Doodly, 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 doodly. And we have number 142. So it's not Anaconda. So 142 is Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is a movie you've made it clear you will not watch. (laughs) I will not be watching that. Andy, who's your backup? Uh, My backup, uh, just to build the suspense for a moment, is my lovely wife. Yay! So, yeah, so we, we get Mariah in. If you've listened to, if you're a dedicated love hate relationship listener, you've heard her on there. If not, you'll hear her on the next one. But um, 
Oh no, I'm like, I'm already missing you. <laughs> oh, friend. Well, tell you what, you have Mariah in house, so it's easier for you guys to record. That's true. Um, when you're just like, you know, hanging out, the two of you can, oh, you can have a little movie date. You can pop some popcorn. She can snuggle up to you. When you get scared and inevitably jump, you can hide your face in her sweater. It'll be real cute. You're selling me. I, I like it. Yep. <laughs> yep. It'll be adorable. I'm not going to guarantee that she'll James Spader whip you and tie you up in chains like you apparently like but i don't know maybe you kids are into that anyway so that's it for this edition of cult fiction if you want to follow <laughs> if you want to keep up you can follow us on twitter and instagram at cult fiction cast you can also follow rate and review us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts we'll close the crypt for now but join us next time when uh guest star mariah Bowell and i Pop some popcorn, snuggle up, and try to have a date as we watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space. For Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Bowell. It's time I'm